0: Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. But we have another uh, author that we're going to talk with at the, at the moment, and his name is Rabi Alamedine. His other books include I, the Divine, The Perv Stories, and Kool-Aids. He's also been an abstract painter, or a painter in the abstract, no, a painter in fact, but Painter of abstract paintings. Mm-hmm. And his new book is called The Hakawati, a monumental sort of book set in Lebanon and set in America. Will you please welcome San Francisco writer Robbie Alamadin to West Coast Live? Yeah, yeah. Do do? So, storytelling, The Hakawati. That's a kind of a storyteller.
1: Yes, yes, it's uh, it's an old word. It's an old uh, Arabic word used mostly in like Egypt and the Levant, and it used to be an old profession where uh, guys and I mean men and women would tell stories and make their living just telling stories.
0: Well, in a, in a cafe or a house. Uh, it's that's those are the
1: ones in the city but for a lot of people they were just moved from village to village and told stories and were able to be fed and basically if you didn't tell good stories and didn't keep going you weren't fed
0: well, and there's a classic story. If you didn't tell good stories, you
1: got your head cut off in the Scheherazade. You got it. And that, it wasn't just Scheherazade. It was based on real thing, you know, the, the better you got, the more in demand you were. And then the more in demand you were, you got to tell stories to important people. And the problem with telling stories to important people is that if you didn't impress them, your head was gone. It, uh, it's kind of like publishing nowadays, too. <laughs> you got it. Nothing changes much. The more, you know, plus ça change, it's, it's, it's
0: the same, you know. And so uh, so you, in a way, are your own, uh, you are a Hakawati. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: basically, Hakawati these days means, means anybody who tells a good tale, anybody who's, uh, it could even be a good gossip. Uh, but, yeah, and there's a slight difference between a storyteller and a novelist, and hopefully in this book I try to be both.
0: What is the difference?
1: Well, a, a storyteller is basically interested in just, telling a great tale in entertaining. A novelist works in a little bit more different layers. I mean, you tell a great tale, but there's more to
0: it than just a great tale. But your book uh, has many layers in it, so it's it's both. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's layered, it, it moves across in time uh, from a sort of a fairy tale once upon a time uh, world to uh, present day, or actually the year 2003. And it's uh, so how did you come up with the concept why for instance does your character Fa- there's a character fatima mm-hmm. that shows up both in the then and the now uh
1: well first it it's about balancing there are certain things that you can tell in a sort of in a mythic tale that you can't tell in a as a novelist you can't do in telling an ordinary family tale um uh, Uh, just as an example something uh, it's like sometimes you have to control say sentimentality in a book but you don't have to control sentimentality at all in a fairy tale so that what happens is if the son can't tell his father um say how much he loves him which most people can't in a fairy tale they can tell whatever they want so it it allows for they sort of balance each other out they interweave between each other uh, and the two Fatimas are basically mirror images. One is a mythical Fatima and the other is almost mythical in real life. Uh, and then what happens is that the I believe that the real-life Fatima ends up giving more meaning to the
0: mythical Fatima. You say here, uh, when you talk about the, the family, you tell of the family, our car dealership, Al-Karat Corporation, the family fountain of fortune, was walking distance from the building on the main street. The Lebanese lacked a sense of irony. No one paid attention to the little things. No one thought it strange that a car dealership and the family that ran it had a name that meant exaggerator, teller of tall tales, liar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: and the family was was called after the grandfather who was a professional Hakawati. So he was, a, he was called a liar from the start. Uh, because it's sort of equi- telling tall tales and telling tales sometimes are the same thing. So, um, you know, a novelist is in his own way a liar. Uh, and it, it's, I find it fascinating. You, you know, you'd go around and you see that most people don't realize certain words and what they mean. We tend to forget them. Um, just like uh, there was, uh, I met this Italian guy, I mean, he's an American, and his name is Bonavita. and I thought that was such a lovely name, and very few people notice these little things about name and words anymore. What does your name mean? Does it have a meaning? Oh, yes, of course. My first name means spring. Spring? Spring, the season. And my last name means flag of religion. Spring flag of religion? Mm-hmm. And my father was Adil, so that's my middle name, and that means just. So I'm Spring, the just flag of religion. <laughs> Has that shaped your life in some way? I don't think so. <laughs> 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 and I was born in, in, uh, uh, in autumn, and I always wondered why they called me Spring.
0: Could you have been conceived in spring? No, that would no, have been earlier. No. I, I thought about that, and I actually didn't want to think about that. <laughs> But the idea of conception of trying to have a son after uh, an emir uh, who, is, who has been the only one in the kingdom who has had just one wife, uh, everyone else in the kingdom seems to have more. All he's had are daughters, and he wants a son. And there, in part, begins part of your tale.
1: Yes, the, the tale begins with this emir who wants a son. Uh, and um, that's how the story starts. And then it switches to the real life where the son comes back, Uh, And he is surprised to find his father in the hospital basically dying. So they're mirror images of each other.
0: Along the way, you come up with with many sort of very comical uh, moments. For instance, uh, where did the idea of lesbian mosquitoes come (laughs) from? Oh, well, you know, why not?
1: (laughs) The idea... (laughs) I mean, it was just this thing where, uh, you know... uh, it's the mosquitoes that bite are female mosquitoes, so i this was the whole idea where it tells her well i she tells him i hope because he sends there's an army of eagles that are coming against them, so he's this little imp sends an army of mosquitoes to meet the eagles, so Fatima will ask I, I hope they're they uh they're all female, and he looks at her and says, Well, they're lesbians, so that's it's just lesbian mosquitoes I mean why
0: not all right? All right, uh, you know, there was a, uh, there was a, a woman that we uh, met when we were doing our show up in the Yukon and she was on the, I believe it was the city council, but her name was Adis and her real given name was, I don't know, something like Susan or something, but and I said, how did you get the name Adis? And she said, well, I was on a road crew in the Yukon and my male colleagues found me so annoying they gave me the name adis which means is the latin name for a mosquito uh, so, <laughs> well so she took it on as a badge of honor uh, yeah, and and i actually
1: think that lesbian mosquitoes would be just too good to be true <laughs> uh,
0: uh okay and uh <laughs> per, perhaps uh it leads to some sort of uh, means of controlling the mosquito population i don't you know maybe maybe not i don't know uh what about the oud? There's a music soundtrack throughout the show, uh, throughout your book. You know, the oud and the guitar play big parts. Uh, yeah, no, um, I was interested
1: in, uh, particularly because I was interested in when I was growing up, what I listened to and how much, for me, the uh, Western influence was a lot bigger for in, in Lebanon. Uh, there's a constant contrast in the book between what is... Uh, Western and what is sort of Arabic Uh, and Lebanon in particular and what's happening now in in Lebanon is is a constant struggle between uh, are we a nation of uh, Arabs are we a nation of Westerners are we Europeans are we modern are we traditional Uh, and so there's a constant struggle in the book about that so the boy starts learning uh, the oud, which is a traditional instrument Uh, it's sort of the precursor of the guitar uh, and then um after the first after the second loss uh after the second war with israel in nineteen seventy three he gives it up for the guitar and he becomes a guitar player and then there's never he's never able to really play it, so he
0: gives up both when you uh how much time do you spend here how much time do you spend in lebanon and on average year, I spend about oh, maybe eight
1: months here and four months in beirut
0: what What is your sense each time you go back to Beirut? I mean, it used to be called, I remember Lowell Thomas, an old newscaster, doing a news story and he said, and tonight's news comes from Beirut, the Paris of the Middle East, and which sort of suggests a Western perspective on it, but also describes a city that probably no longer exists. Uh, it does. It does exist. It exists in, in parts. I mean, that's
1: what uh, he didn't get is it's both the... You know, Paris of the Middle East, and then you know the Lahore of the Middle East. It's 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 both east and west. So you you walk from one neighborhood to the next, and it's a complete change. But most people, definition and
0: war, and the war is such a, a big part of of how we think of Lebanon now, and it shows up in your book and in in the way you describe it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big. I mean, it's a uh, for both. A Western audience, that's how they think of Lebanon. But it's also, even if you go to Beirut, I mean, the culture, they spent 20 years of civil war uh, recently. So it's a big part of who they are. And what's happening now is still the same struggle. It's, you know, whether uh, Iran wants to, you know, fight the
0: United States, they do it in Lebanon. And you make a point of distinguishing the Druze and and how the Druze are sort of a, a people caught in between. Different religions. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And also, I'm a Druze. Uh, I mean, I'm
1: not necessarily a believer, but I'm a Druze. Uh, And the Druze are neither this nor that. And they're not exactly um, uh, traditional. It's not, they're not exactly modern either. So they're sort of separate. uh, And they always see themselves as separate. And I thought that would be an interesting point of view for the book. And how does this play out also in, in real life Beirut then? Uh, it's sort of the same. I mean, it's funny because, uh, the, in, in Lebanon, they're sort of like clans. Uh, so the Druze at one point were very pro-Syrian and now they've moved to the other side. Uh, so, um, whoever wants us can get, uh, can get us. Is, is this an easy struggle for you to follow and to understand? Follow, yes. Understand, no. I mean, it's, uh, it's like I can understand um the the ideas, and I could see sort of both sides, but the minute they pick up a gun, I stop understanding when you go there, do you feel for your safety uh I actually do I don't feel that threatened, but I don't think I'm that paranoid anyway. I know people who do uh but just two days ago, I mean my mom slept in the corridor of her house, and then my sister had to take the kids you know five and two and a half, basically running out of Beirut, so it's not completely safe,
0: um, but they refuse to move. You have an escape scene in your, in your novel um, where the family escapes and you know, has to suddenly move you know, in, in their cars, and uh, there's, there's a fear that one car doesn't make it. Yes,
1: and uh, I mean, my family has gone through many escape scenes, and what we always remember are the jokes about it. You know, we can make fun of it with... It's, it's funny because under stress and under constant war, the two things that remain are the stories and the jokes. And it's so the stress, it's as if the stress is completely forgotten or that you could have been shot at, which they were. What remains is, you know, oh, and she screamed so high and they start giggling like crazy. <laughs>
0: And then the, the, the character's father is told that he's screaming because some shrapnel has come into the windshield. No, 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 he wasn't screaming. And then, and then why did the father turn around to go back and, and get uh, his sister, uh, who had turned out the, the, the car had been had broken down, and he comes back and he says, well, because my brother-in-law would have killed me if I hadn't, you know.
1: It's, it's about family. But, and the whole sort of the semi-joke is that it, he, done, he didn't just scream. He screamed a high sea. and And for a man, that's like, wow. Uh, so and and this is a, a, a current joke is that you know you get shot at you you know you scream and and uh, that's what it's as if that's what remains and it becomes sort of a family tale and this is what the book is about is is uh, that we are basically as people and as a family and as individuals and as cultures we are framed and informed by the stories we tell so like I as a person am in large measure the stories I tell. Uh, and we as a society, even in, here in, in, in this country, in Lebanon, in, in Mexico, in any
0: country, we are the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. You deal very gently with an uncle with a different sexual persuasion. What do you mean different? <laughs> From the other characters in the story. Uh, you mean Gay. Gay. <laughs> Well, I was trying to set you up here so you could tell the story however you wanted to. Uh, I, know, I know I'm just I, <laughs> yeah, you're just because he's he's might be different
1: from most people, but he's not that different from me. Yeah. Uh <laughs> different from the char- other characters in the story. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, you know, the narrator uh remains ambiguous about what his sexuality is. Uh but yeah, no, I wanted a uh a first of all, a character who holds in some ways, the moral center of of the book and uh, who's also a great storyteller. And so he had to be somewhat of an outsider but still a member of the family uh, so that he was, um, you know, talented and uh, he was able to continue the stories of the family and then pass the mantle on to uh, the son. And uh, he he couldn't be married and have kids of his own. He couldn't be... uh, I mean, he had to be part of the family, yet a little bit outside of it.
0: Uh, so he was different. So you say. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> along that uh, along that line, I mean, it, 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 sort of Shakespeare's characters—the clowns, the, mm-hmm. the fools—I mean, those are the interstitial characters that that often point out yes. the failings of the other characters the, and the and the and the marvels of the other characters in the story. And and in some ways, that's also
1: part of why the mythical stories add to the family stories and the family stories reflect the mythical stories because there are lots of clowns in, in uh, and sort of trickster characters. Uh, and in the book, you know, the uncle is. He's, he's uh, sort of the trickster. I mean, he pokes at things and he's able to because he's both part of the family and a little bit outside of it.
0: Your character's name is Osama and, and you've said that it's a very common name. Yes. Yes. It, I mean, it was both a political
1: statement and not so. Uh, I, I love the name, and I didn't want it to become sort of like Adolf. Um, there are a lot of kids in our part of the world I mean, who were born before 2001 who are called Osama. I mean, are they going to be blighted for the rest of their life? Because, uh, you know, over here, as you call you here, is Osama, Osama, Osama. Well, Osama is a lovely name. It really is. So I decided, you know, I'm going to call him Osama and just introduce a character that is sort of normal so that i mean there's political things behind it and storytelling things behind it i wanted to present a view of the arab world um, in all its greatness and its all, in all its failed you know failings so that you know we're able to look at this and not go oh my god they're all you know monsters or oh my god they all want to you know eat us alive or you know it, so that it doesn't become this co- sort of
0: one-sided thing well there's a there's a uh, a tendency for for both westerners and arabs i think to view the other in cartoon terms in many ways
1: yeah i mean that's part of the problem and so in in the book i mean i'm constantly asked is this an arabic book is this an american book it it isn't it's 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 an amalgam of both it's uh, it's the same book i mean i could have told the stories in some ways as an american story or as an arab story uh, the details might be different, but the stories are the same. You
0: know, what what is the role in these stories of these of the of the genie? Of and, and you've got good genies and evil genies, and the main role is
1: again it it fulfills the story. It tells a great story. Uh, the genies is is, uh, I mean, what we th- there's a whole lot of play on what is good and what is bad, um, and the genies tend to be sort of shocking as to one thinks that one this genie is going to be the evil genie, he's in the underworld and then it turns out that he's not. And someone who's who tends to be good turns out to be the
0: evil one. So it just things to balance it out. But the idea of a sort of a magical figure that can either wreak havoc or bring good. Yes. <laughs> Is is there a Western equivalent for you?
1: Uh, Well, uh, we can start with the president of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, actually, speaking of the president of the country, there is an evil character in one of the mythical stories, which is... He, uh, he, there is this character who basically causes a lot of the crusades against the empire, and he tries, he's just a troublemaker, and that's his sole purpose in the book, is to move from one place and to the other, to, to uh, cause trouble to the sultan. And uh, I was bad. <laughs> he was born, I, he was, I made him born in Portugal. And uh, when I was trying to come up with a name, I, I called him Arbusto. And arbusto basically is bush in Portuguese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the uh, arbusto doesn't come to a happy end at the, uh, <laughs> the end of the at the end of the book. But I was I was curious. You 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 quote uh, several of your epigraphs are by uh, uh, Fernando Pessoa, who is a Portuguese poet writer. Yeah. So what is the connection for the the Portuguese in in your experience? I
1: I tend to love Portuguese uh writers and Pessoa is probably one of the most ignored writers and he is one of the greatest writers ever um a a genius totally disturbed um a genius totally disturbed, totally disturbed. he he was a poet who uh had different personalities and he wrote under different names and so he created all these sub poets shall we call them uh, and each poet had an entire oeuvre, I mean, an entire, like, three or four books, and each of them it's completely different than the other, and each of them were masterpieces. So he would write under, say, Alvaro Campo, and the Alvaro Campo poems are amazing, and they're completely different than when he writes under Ricardo Reyes. He also wrote poems in English, so he had these characters who were English, and he wrote under their names. Um, he had at least, I don't know if any, everybody I think he had like 21 different personalities under which he wrote poetry. And they were all different. He had histories for all. He created these entire stories, birth records, all kinds of stuff, uh, and published under them. And for me, he was one of the greatest storytellers of all time, not just for his poetry, but for these characters that he created, under which he wrote poetry. And then, you know, the epigraphs. That he, he, he's so good. You, you uh, did the other epigraph. The Eric Hoffer. Uh, Eric Hoffer. See, I like the Pessoa's epigraph in the same section, which says, literature is the most
0: agreeable way of ignoring life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and here's one, uh, uh, Isaac Dennison. Uh, all sorrows can be born if you put them into a story or tell a story about them. Yes, that, that's a great one. That is a great one. The book is called The Hakawati by Rabbi Alamuddin, and it's published by Knopf. Knopf. Thank you very much for being here on West Coast Live. Thank you so much for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. Robbie Alamuddin. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live. Right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.